0: Are listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite hosts Maria Jordan
1: and your boy Karis Jordan,
0: and we are sipping tea while spilling tea. Happy Thursday, family. I hope everybody is feeling blessed today. You are listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite host, Maria Jordan. Unfortunately, my co-host, Karis Jordan, is not available today. He had an event, so he won't be joining us, but that's okay. Because today we are sipping tea while spilling tea with Lene. And I am so excited. (laughs) What's up, girl? Hey, girl, hey. Oh, and she's so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad to have you. Um, I mean, and congratulations on your essence uh, placement. That is dope. How was that?
1: It was honestly a dream. Um, I can remember. I think it was. I think it was December of twenty nineteen, right before twenty twenty. I started to start taking what I do seriously and be consistent. And my goal was to get to Essence Fest last year. Mm -hmm. And even if I was on like the side of the street somewhere, just performing. Yeah, yeah, just to be in the midst to network and do things like that. And then in my inbox came a message asking if I wanted to either write an article or get interviewed for an article. And it was just. I
0: couldn't describe the feeling. let me tell you something. (laughs) You, I don't even, I'm sure you know, but you are going to go so far.
1: Thank you. When
0: I tell you, I just see so much for you. And I was like, I just need to be a part of this girl. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to see her. I need to speak to her. (laughs) I see so much for you. I am so excited for you. And it ain't even happening. You haven't even hit your surface girl yeah it is real and i'm so excited for you i'm excited to have the opportunity to speak with you and um yeah so before we get into this interview we're gonna talk today's tea y'all Okay. Um, so who is going to see Tom Clancy's Without Remorse starring Michael B. Jordan this Friday? You gonna go check it out?
1: Okay, maybe not go to the movies because <laughs> outside still not safe all the way. It ain't always <laughs> safe. No, it's not. But I plan on seeing it,
0: yeah. I do want to mm-hmm. see it. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see um, Lauren London on, mm-hmm. on film again. Yeah. I just love her. I love her spirit. I know through, she, she's been through a lot. So to see her working mm-hmm. is such a good um, thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it's inspirational because a lot of large... Has um, A lot of people have experienced a lot of loss lately, and so I, I'm just um, glad to see her moving on and being in a position she is. Um, she's influential. Yeah. So people are going to I know she's going to touch people just by being on the screen. Mm-hmm. So congrats, girl. If y'all don't know, it's uh, supposed to be a revenge thriller about an elite Navy SEAL uncovers and an international conspiracy while seeking justice for the mm-hmm. murder of his pregnant wife.
1: Yes, it was given very much black John Wick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, it really was. It really was. So I'm excited. I was um, into it. Yeah, I was into it. So it, let's just hope it don't disappoint because I ain't going to lie. I have, I've been seeing, you know, me and my husband, we are movie buffs. Mm-hmm. So we love watching. We go, we will go to the movies with the lights off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we them.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> and I just haven't seen anything lately that has really been like, oh, that was so good. I think the last time I felt that way was for, um, what is it called? Um, Old Guard. Old Guard mm-hmm. with least that had me feeling like, okay, this was dope. But I haven't seen anything that like wowed me, so I'm hoping this is going to be the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It
1: so, looked pretty good. It, it looked like did. it wasn't cheap. And, you know, Michael B. Jordan is usually a pretty great actor exactly, <laughs> um, and brings the exactly. characters to life, so I so think I'm he did excited. Well.
0: I'm excited. I'm excited. We're going to definitely take a look at it this, um, this Friday. So, because it comes out April 30th, yes. So, go ahead and check that out. And while we have a moment, we're going to say their names today. Mm. We're going to say their names today. Um, Corey Dorsey III, January 1st, was murdered. Mm. Um, Robert Howard, January 6th, was murdered. Xavier Hill, January 9th, was murdered. Patrick Warren Sr., January 10th, was murdered. David Lee Tavar Jr., January 22nd, was murdered. Corey Jones, February 22nd marvin david scott the third march 14th adam toledo march 29th roger allen april 7th dante wright april 11th micaiah bryant april 20th isaiah brown april 21st andre brown jr april 21st this is this year i have chills going through my Mm. bodies just sharing their names um And tears in my eyes. These are all murders by police to black and brown this year. Yeah. Where do we go from? Like, where are we? And mind you, these are all only the ones that have been publicized. Correct. Like, where are we? (laughs) Where we've always
1: been, I think what makes it hurt all the more is that we've kind of been on this path of hope ever since last year a lot of different things have changed for us we've we've had a lot of different wins but it was kind of like the breath was knocked out of us we've been talking so long about how we can't breathe and we almost had to take a sigh of relief with the Derek Chauvin verdict and then immediately the wind knocked out of us once again with Makai Bryant and it's um, really unfortunate you know because for me I used to be a high school teacher. Not many people know that, but I used to be a high school teacher. And whenever we would talk about the civil rights movement, my kids would ask me, do I think we could ever get to that point again? And I would say no. Mm. I would say I don't think, I think white supremacy and whiteness has done a very good job of keeping black people so separated and so concerned about their own personal sphere of oppression that we can't unite together. And so when we did start, I started getting that hope. Mm. I started being, I stopped being so pessimistic and but I feel like we all knew, you know, it was only yeah. a matter of time before we're disappointed again because America's used to disappointing us and America honestly doesn't mind disappointing us.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I listened to a bunch of people this week sent me the the quote from the Umar Doctor Umar interview with Charlemagne on the Breakfast oh, Club yes. Breakfast Club. Uh, yes. I didn't see the whole thing and it's honestly a lot of things me and Doctor Umar don't agree on, but he was absolutely right. The first day in office, we get a executive order for transgender Americans, which is which is amazing. Yes. Almost, I'm not going to say at the first sight, because to be quite honest, Asian-Americans have been dealing with different types of violence since they've gotten here. Yeah. But to have an outburst like this, this mass killing of six Asian women and then immediately get an executive order of their protection. The question is, Biden, you asked for our votes. And we gave it to you. We gave you our votes. We expected you to do something different. But where is our executive order? Exactly. And at this point, we're not asking for too much. If you can do it as easily as you've done it. Where where is our where executive is order?
0: And you know, it's so, um, you know, it's kind of like you're you're teaching your kids, and we're teaching our youth like of hope and of um, change, and that we're 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 headed in the right directions. And then it's like you take five steps forward, and then it's ten steps back. Yeah, you know, and it's like where. And, and and it's it's a valid question. It's not in our heads. It's not in our imagination. It's not over exaggerating. Mm-hmm. It is here. It is in everyone's face, and it is still not being addressed the way it should. Talking about it is not enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not enough. Laws have to change. Um, people have to change. But it starts with the law. It starts with um, with, with with you. you and and the thing is, is that he knew, <laughs> he knew at the end of the day that he was uh, like, we couldn't go back where we were yeah. with, with Trump. So he knew that, okay, this is, I need to go full fledged into getting this black vote. And yeah. he did. And I, you know, I'm not saying, you know, white people can be so ignorant to things, you know, and... I'm dealing. I've dealt with situations. I'm not gonna pull it all up, but where sometimes they don't even know their ignorance. Like yeah. they're aware that it exists, but they don't. They're not aware of how it exists in them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like it's time to really reflect and how how much talking needs to be done.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: tired of talking. <laughs>
1: I am, too. And I mean, honestly, it's what I do for a living, so Mm -hmm. I got to keep talking. (laughs) But I actually do. I do some corporate trainings for um, different organizations who want to do better in the way of anti-racism work and rhetoric. Mm -hmm. And I talk to them a lot about how, yeah, there are these big overarching themes that we have to tackle that are perpetuating institutional racism and hurting communities in real ways. But it starts with conversations at home. Mm -hmm. It starts with conversations at the dinner table. And so we go through exercises and we... Go through identifying things that people in their specific circle need to hear. Because when you think about it, the people who are in the who are on the Senate floor arguing, those are people who have families at home that could hold them accountable. But the issue is, is that they are in circles of other people who are like minded, who are just like them, or at the very least, are not brave enough to say Say something. And so, like, honestly, what I say to them all the time if you see something, say something. You know, the airport mm-hmm. thing, if you see something, say something. Like, say something if you see something. Like, don't yeah. just don't just go report it to someone else later about, oh, they really made me feel this way and yeah. I can't believe she said that. No,
0: Karen, tell
1: Jill yeah. how she made you feel right <laughs> then.
0: Right, yeah. Immediately. And this is not something, you know, white people got to get on board with this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not something that clearly can be done just with black people. People And our thoughts and our experiences, white people have to get on board with this. You have to have these conversations within your home. Mm-hmm. You have to have these conversations within your work. You have to be able to address it. You have to get uncomfortable. Yep. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing is, once you get over that hump of it being uncomfortable, you realize the only comfort that people are protecting in that space are white folks' comfort. Mm-hmm. It's it's literally allowing black folks, people of color, queer, all kinds of folks to be uncomfortable, to undergo distress from microaggressions, whatever have you, just so the white people in the room don't feel like you are crossing a line because the line that you're crossing is one that would disrupt the life that they live. Yes.
0: Yes. And it's like... When are you going to get it? Do you think that there will be that type of change in those conversations, in those homes? Like, is it is, is it going to happen?
1: I do think so. I think it is happening. It's just one of those slow but steady wins the race mm. types of thing. And it's unfortunate that black people have to bear the weight of all of that, mm-hmm. continue to trudge and continue to move slowly when, honestly, like... <laughs> We should, be, we should be able to kick back our feet and let everybody else do the work. And I think that's what a lot of white Americans are coming to realize, is that not only have you profited off of black people's labor, you've required black people to do an additional type of labor in their everyday life to carry their blackness. Yes.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> I told y'all it's going to be deep in here. Um, so let's get to you a little bit. So okay. you... Um, where where are you from? Where, where how was your childhood?
1: So I have military parents. Mm-hmm. I was born in Virginia, stayed there for a while, moved around the South, but I settled here in Georgia, um, in a small city in Covington. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone knows what that is. We do, <laughs> we
0: do. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've been there ever since. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And do you have siblings? Or? I, do.
1: Oh. I do. I do have two younger brothers. One just turned eighteen, and he's graduating. Nice. He's going to Georgia Southern. I'm so proud of him. Um, Then my youngest brother is 14, and I have two older brothers. Wow. Yeah, yeah, the only girl.
0: (laughs) The only girl. How has that, well, how was that? How was that dynamic? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) It was
1: clear that I was the only girl, you know, whatever. I'm going to say whatever I wanted because I had what I needed, but it was very much, no, you'll be all right. You can figure it out. Um, Kind of your quintessential, like, the girls get it the hardest in terms of learning how to take care of themselves, like even when it came to dating. Wasn't really allowed to date until my senior year in high school school really when my parents were accepting of it and didn't mind meeting people but it was very much you're not driving to no boy's house he's either gonna pick you up or you're not gonna see him <laughs> and just really really settling um in the gender roles but also making sure that I could take care of myself and yeah. I didn't need to count on anyone and then I go home and my brothers are just like <laughs> I go I take out my younger brothers and I'm like yeah you need me to pay for this oh no I got money in my bank account. From what? You ain't got no job <laughs> And it's just, I mean, you know, just the mix you know, of being the, the only girl in the mix, yeah, of being my mom's oldest. So yes.
0: yeah. wow, <laughs> that's funny. And so would you say that it influenced a lot of who you are today as far as being strong and outspoken, being comfortable with who you are? Um, do you think that being in a house majority, just you and your mom, <laughs> <laughs> do you think that played a, a role in that or? I think
1: honestly I had to I had to come out of who I was at mm-hmm. home. Um because I was the only girl, I was very protected and very sheltered from doing and experiencing a lot of things and a lot of things that I had experienced as a child um informed me being this person who was not sure of who I was. Mm-hmm. And so it took a lot of me doing like <laughs> Me doing the things black people do, don't got the instructions but figure out how to make it work, but yes. like the sort of inner child therapy to become comfortable with who this person was. And once I did that, here we are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what made you go into because you went to did you go to Clark? I went to Spellman. Spellman, awesome! Mm-hmm. And um, did you know you wanted to be a teacher? Like, what was Absolutely your dream? Absolutely not! Absolutely not! Really? I, the
1: thing is, <laughs> the thing is, I did I wasn't.
0: I wasn't ever sure. I just knew that what I wanted to do
1: was never what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. So, um, school was something I was always good at. So I excelled when I was at Spellman. I was in the honor society for psychology, but when it came down to my senior year, and they were writing re- re- letters of Letters of recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, Yeah, girl, so are you going to apply to this clinical site program? Are you going to be a therapist? Are you going to do ne- neuroscience? Any of that? I was like, None of that's for me. No thanks. <laughs> um, I don't quite know. So I'm just going to take a year. Yeah. And um, I had done a minor in Black Studies. There was not a Black Studies minor, but I created my minor courses um kind wow. of just i pulled them myself to make my to make my experience be a concentration in black studies granted all your classes at spelman have something to do with blackness yeah. that you could look at um, yeah. it through a lens like that but i created that concentration for myself and then i was like girl that makes the most sense it's what you've always been interested in yes. so i went on to get my master's in african-american studies and i were like all right girl next step phd i was like i'm not doing that <laughs> i'm you good you guys you guys can't <laughs> have any more of my money grad <laughs> school is crazy you all are nuts <laughs> um, and then I came home and was just like, well, what can I do with African-American studies? I want to get this degree. Now I got to use it. So I was just thinking of after school programs. That's always what I've wanted to do is share yeah. the knowledge with my community and help build up kids with a much more informed worldview. Oh yeah. And I went to my old high school and they were like, Yeah, this is cute, but would you like an actual job? Because we can give you one. <laughs> and I was like, Well, I need one, so <laughs> what's up? <laughs> let's do it. And it turned out to be a great experience for me. I taught high school. Yeah. Um, I looked as young as the other kids, so I that know. was always fun. But Teaching high school students will let you know if you are actually fun, if you're actually lit, or if you're actually (laughs) whack. And so it was kind of like the best group to have like a case study with and how I would communicate the things I wanted to communicate about black studies. And that's honestly what helped me to to develop the persona that I
0: bring to parking Lot pimping. Yeah. Mm, parking Lot pimping, girl. (laughs) So where did that birth? How did you come up with that?
1: How did I come up with it? Honestly, I give credit to God for everything because... (laughs) Because a lot of the stuff, I'm just going with the flow. And yeah. once quarantine hit, once they sent us home from the classroom, it just teaching wasn't the same. I started to notice a change in how I felt coming yeah. into the classroom and the, the strange relationship between me and my students. And I was like, you know, the world is hungry for more of this information. The yes. world is hurting. The world has woken up and discovered racism, mm-hmm. even though we've known it's been here. So I said, how can I go to a YouTube or to an Instagram to share this And then interactive way and I decided on short form content and I really really filed it down to like the perfect formula for me and it was like how do I open to make people look at what I'm doing what's the next line to say to make them stay for a second and then how can I take them on this ride that makes them stay the whole time. Yeah. And so I was like, everybody sits in their house in front of their bed at a desk in front of a cute wall. What can I do different? I said, I'm going to go sit outside in my parking lot. (laughs) And and then I was like, well, what am I going to say? What is this going to be called? And I was like, well, people pimp in parking lots. So that's what I'm about to do. (laughs) Parking
0: (laughs) lot pimping. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So, I read your article. Um, God bless you. Thank you. Was it a um, complete surprise when people thought of it not only as content, but an activism, but comedy.
1: Yes. (laughs) My boyfriend will will tell you that he does not think I'm funny. And I think I'm just (laughs) funny in this way that I'm just so relatable.
0: Yeah.
1: And I use things that generally bring humor to a situation. And that's also intentional because I know that a lot of people... I've always had this to offer. Like, I've I've come to social with this type of content before. Mm -hmm. But it was about consistency. And it was also about, like, studying my audience. But... When people think about learning about systemic oppression or African-American history, it's automatically put in this box of, oh, this person is going to be really preachy or this person is Mm going to be like motherland or Africa and all this other kind of stuff. And I wanted to couch it and situate it in a way that was very conversational. just kind of wanted you to like lean in and come to the table and mm-hmm. listen so grab your tea yeah yeah. So I was like what can I do <laughs> what, what can I do what little mannerisms can I bring that'll make this fun
0: yeah, yeah. I love it so much and being a tea drinker afternoon tea radio <laughs> it just I was like oh my god this is genius mm-hmm. it's genius mm-hmm. so when you come up with your content do you, or how do you develop it do you have to sit down write it or this off the like what mm-hmm. and is it motivated by just current events so how do how, it, how do you get into It's
1: a little it? bit of both. So it started out by... Pulling popular topics that people were discussing and bringing nuance to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as I gained more of a following and things just started happening, like especially around the election, there was something new every week. And it's kind of been that way ever since. I was like, well, now I need to situate whatever it is I'm going to talk about around current events. And Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate, but I can always find something to talk about every single time. Because the things we're experiencing are not new. There's nothing new under the sun. And we just kind of keep going on this repetitive cycle. And so I'm always mm. able to pull from some historical moment to provide context.
0: Yeah. So what um, what is it that you, what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal?
1: Crazy enough. Not even crazy. I'm an artist. I do poetry. And yeah. that's kind of what got me the confidence to get in front of the camera um, and get on the stage and do more. But I want to write. I want to star in things. Yeah. Um I have a lot of different talents and I want to bring those to screen. I want to work with other Renaissance writers Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm a firm believer that this current moment we're in is like a second coming of a Harlem renaissance because of all of the proliferation that was not even the second coming because the 90s was a big one too yes it was but yeah we are in our moment of this new generation being able to bring new content to the screen in new amazing forms and I just want to be in the ranks of those folks um, and use my background use my education to really inform the content in a way that's not been done before
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah
0: it's very creative it's tell that you have, like, that performer in you. So, did you used to um, perform as a poet?
1: Yes, yes, oh, and I and I still do. Well, I haven't been outside, but yeah. <laughs> people are booking <laughs> me for the virtual events, and I actually just went up to a school in uh, Virginia to do some hosting and perform some poetry. Nice. Um, I do some concept visuals for my poetry, too. Kind of on your Beyonce yes. visual situation.
0: Get all, <laughs> hit all Hit all of those elements, your Absolutely. visual. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I also used to perform as a part of the band dance line when I was at Spelman. And that was a whole experience within itself. Like just being, if anyone's ever been to a HBCU or a football game, period, just imagine being a little speck on the field dancing around. Oh, my
0: goodness. There's so
1: many people watching, but it definitely helped me get over that sort of stage fright.
0: And I I truly believe that when we're growing into who we're becoming – You know, there's these different. Every element plays a factor in what you're about to do and who you're about to be. Um, I look at something as simple as managing a community Mm -hmm. um, and dealing with the residents and dealing with. having to um, diffuse situations, and it all plays a role in kind of who I am today and where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could, who would you work with? Who, who do would you, I work who's with? on the list? Who's on the who wish would I work list? Who would work
1: with? Oh, my God. Okay, so I love Journey Smollett. Mm-hmm. Uh, she huh. is so talented. I love her. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peele. Yes. He's outstanding. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, I think... mm, No. Uh, It's unfortunate. I can't remember her name right now, but the woman who wrote Lovecraft Country. Okay. But also Issa Rae. Like, she's a person that I see... I see that. ...myself after. Like, she's the blueprint, you know? Mm -hmm. Love her to death, and it's not even on some, oh, I want to be Issa Rae. It's like, she's just... She's literally... What some girls would see as a Beyonce, like an inspiration, yes. like a leader in her own sure. lane. Absolutely, you know, she's literally someone who created her own lane and made an empire out of it, and that's something that I would like to do for mm-hmm. myself. And yeah, so those folks, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: I could see that. I see that collaboration. Issa, mm-hmm. come on now, Issa. Is she yes, listening. <laughs> if you're listening, boo, what's up? <laughs> I love that. I see that. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break. Um, Make sure you stay tuned uh, to Afternoon Tea Radio. This is Denise the Broker, and you're listening to Afternoon Tea Radio. This is pianist, vocalist Carol Albert, and I'm tuned in to the Afternoon Tea. So come join us.
1: Hey, this is China Bethy with Rich University, and I'm on Afternoon Tea with Maria and Karis Jordan.
0: Hey folks, just a quick reminder that no matter the time of the day and no matter what day of the week, East Coast, West Coast, all points in between, we are always on. So go to your app store and download the Real 1100 app and listen wherever and whenever. The Real, Real, Real. Hello, I am a lady named Pearl, and I am the founder of a lady named Pearl Leadership Academy where our mission is to shape the confidence of girls and women to become future leaders through modeling, leadership, and entrepreneurship training. This Sunday, May 2nd at Piedmont Park, we are going green. Pearls are going green by celebrating sustainable fashion in our eco fashion show. For more information, visit a lady named pearl.com
1: Kids follow your lead. Help them stay healthy. Wash your hands. Don't touch your eyes, nose, or mouth. And cover coughs and sneezes. Clean and disinfect the objects you touch often, like your phone, the remote, and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And if you're the one who's sick, stay home. This station is part of the Beasley Best Community of Caring, and we care about your family. For more info, visit cdc.gov slash covid-19.
0: Hey, everyone. It's Attorney Jazz of Jazz Talks Law, and I am here with the Afternoon Tea Radio. Hey, everybody. It's Jay Nash, creator of Girl Power Hour Radio. I am right here on Afternoon Tea Radio Atlanta. What's up? It's Moneta Shaw, and I am on the radio with the Afternoon Tea. Take a sip. If you smoke, what you smoke? I got the haze. haze. And if you're hungry, girl, I got the lace. Oh baby, don't keep me Wait. There's so much love we could be making. Show. got that Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack Leave the door open. So I'm excited. I am sipping tea while spilling tea with Lene Vene. Vanee. 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 Lene Vene. I love that. You got Thank a perfect you. name. It just goes. Oh, she's a star all oh. around. I mean, dang. <laughs> um, she's been awesome. So let me ask you, what has been your biggest challenge being an outspoken black woman in your field, in your realm? People wanted me to be quiet. Really? Yeah.
1: Um, and when I say people specifically, I mean, I definitely got, when I first started, I was, of course, getting hate from your regular White racist. Really? Um, yeah, absolutely. Got all kinds of comments. Somebody told me I look like a mix between a squid and a gorilla and I Are just you kidding me. <laughs> it's laughable. Um, but yeah, I definitely got hate from those groups, which I expected, but I also started getting hate from a lot of black men. Really? Um, especially oh, well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Some people just don't like to hear the truth.
1: They don't. They don't. And um, for one in particular, me talking about black queer race, sure, I got a lot of hate from that. And then a lot of my recent stuff where I speak up more for black women, I think it was the beginning of Black History Month, I chose to do a topic about recognizing that black people are human and black Mm -hmm. people can do wrong. And during Black History Month, my perspective was that we'd be doing a disservice to black women and black women who have laid down their lives and livelihood for us if we were to just only praise black men who are at the forefront of these narratives, especially when many of them Had a history or a track record of wrongdoing towards black women. Yes. And so, you know, nobody wants to hear those things. They don't, girl. Mm -mm.
0: Ooh, I was Mm -mm. like, oh my gosh, she is out here telling truth out here and people can't handle the truth. Yeah, yeah. They cannot handle the truth. So, what, how did, how does that make you feel knowing, you know, is it something where it's like, it is what it is, good luck, or does it really get to you?
1: You know, There are times it has gotten to me only because I came from being a regular person who used the Internet. And Mm -hmm. I would always be that person to say, girl, why are you arguing with this person in the comments? But people don't realize how personal it can get or how outlandish some people sound. And their responses are misrepresenting the things that you say or misrepresenting what you stand for. And so really only in those instances where I'm like... I have to pull myself back from getting into a comments argument because yes. it's really not that deep. Have I had challenges with really separating my physical life with my social media life? Um, but beyond that, I recognize that one of my one of my friends on social said that black men are the white people of black people. Mm. And that is what it is. And so there's going to be a lot of them that don't want to hear anything that has to be said about black people who have intersecting identities who experience other types of oppression because their focus is on their own, you know, Mm. and not that ours isn't because that's what everybody's expected to do. stand hand in hand with black men and fight for their liberation. But, you know, we deserve to be liberated, too. So it's something that I've just had to accept that's going to be a part of what I do.
0: Hmm. That's 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 deep. And when you get the um, opposition, Mm -hmm. how how do you respond, like, to it on a bigger scale? Because this is, to me, is, I mean, this is amazing what you have going on, but I just see so much bigger for you. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is preparation. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you deal like is there therapy involved is there like yeah
1: absolutely um absolutely another thing that i've had that has been a challenge is just adjusting to like social media fame because Mm -hmm. the amount of attention people want from you is something in and of itself all together different and something that has to be adjusted to and my reality because thank thank god for my success obviously but because of my success because of the different levels i'm always Leveling up to yeah. my reality is always changing and I have to have some type of like grounding. Yes. So um, getting more in tune with my star player, my yes. spiritual player, yes. also seeing my therapist, help asking her for guidance and helping me to situate my thoughts. But also when I'm experiencing all these things on social, I'm just taking notes. Mm. I'm taking notes because it's informing. It's showing me that there are more needs. There, There is a desire for more information, One. And that mm. there are more conversations to be had. And people keep asking me, hey, girl, you got a podcast? No, I don't. Not yet. Come but I, I have <laughs> I have begun to start facilitating larger conversations in my parking lot.
0: Yes. And
1: so there's going to be like a limited series of me having conversations with all kinds of under underrepresented groups in the black community I love that and um, having those tough conversations literally inviting them to my parking lot when I got some chairs when I got some nice. little tables I'll pour them some tea and it'll be in podcast format as well but um, just giving the folks that longer form content that really speak to what different people are going through because yeah. I think another part of why my platform has become so successful is because the thing that I champion most is number one being who I needed Mm-hmm. when I needed someone um, mm. and also helping people feel seen because when you be who you needed, you give yourself the attention that you thought you were lacking from someone else. You see yourself in ways that no everyone else refused to see yeah. you and that's a healing process in, in and of itself. Absolutely. And from from comments underneath my videos from dms to me going out places and i'm talking women of all ages i've had teenage girls stop me in a mall and then at the last event i was at this woman told me she was 57 years old took me to the side and talked about how much of a healing process it was to hear me speak out about things that she just had to take come on at one period in time and so you know my thing
0: girl you have no idea it's so um your voice is a voice that even if we, we don't even think to talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, um, black women specifically, we endure a lot and we just take it as that's our place in mm-hmm. some cases. We don't even, th- some of the topics, I mean, even, you know, uh, Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. who um, um, had an affair on mm-hmm. his wife, you spoke on that. And it's like, that's real. That bothered me. But it's like, huh, I guess, you know, That just is what it is. We don't want to talk about that. And to see you speaking on these things that. Are real and they're real hurtful to mm-hmm. black women. It's mm-hmm. hurtful. But we so down for our men yeah. that it's like, okay, well, I guess it's not that important. It's not the bigger picture. Let's keep it moving. But when you see this is the type of conversations that need to be had yeah. because there's so much change that needs to happen. And it's not just a black and white thing.
1: Yeah. It's within Absolutely. our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes back to something I was speaking on before, like literally whiteness and all of its standards set for black people has done such a good job at distracting us from what the actual Mm -hmm. problems are and pitting us against each other and turning us against one another and making our experiences seem so saturating that mm-hmm. we can't see what's happening or what we may be doing to another group of people yeah and so you know when i was a teacher um i was a social studies teacher they often gave me like different classes and i always found a way to tie it back to current issues mm-hmm. and in one class i was teaching at a school i'm gonna say it was hood adjacent <laughs> a lot of the kids <laughs> adjacent. mama and daddies had money uh-huh um one of the kids had a tesla and i just oh, my word. <laughs> But yeah, so like it was one of those schools and you can already kind of tell what the young black boys just where their heads were. And so Mm -hmm. when it came to any discussion on queerness, they didn't want to hear it. Oh, no, that's not for me or getting very uncomfortable fidgeting in their seats. And I'm not the type of person to force anything down your throat, but it's something literally as simple as Understand how you feel in this exact same situation when you're the target and the person hurting you is a white person. That can be translated down the line and down the Mm -hmm. line and down the line. When it's a black man hurting a black woman, when it's a black woman hurting a queer person, all of these things. It's literally just the same pattern thrown down the line. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a domino effect. And it's because there's this. There's this aspiration towards whiteness because it offers freedom, Mm -hmm. but there's also this aspiration towards power because power allows you to make someone else feel how someone else makes you feel. Mm -hmm. And there's comfort in that. There's no liberation in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think needs to happen in the school systems? Because I think not only does it, you know, start (laughs) in your home, it's also what our kids are being taught. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think needs to happen there?
1: Some of the things kids are taught in school, I feel is completely useless, uh-huh. <laughs> especially in terms of social studies. It's cool to know history, but honestly, I think things like if you want to know about the Civil War, if you want to know about the Revolutionary yeah. War, you can take an elective for that. Yes. <laughs> because what does that do to prepare you for the real exactly. world? And if we're going to use school, formal education to, to produce better generations we need to start racial awareness mm-hmm. training we need to start um, tolerance for the LGBTQ community Absolutely. like and I mean those two things within a nutshell cultural awareness period not just because the world is not just black and white black people experience a lot yeah. black and white black and white corollaries inform a lot of the way the outside world is set up in terms of spaces, yeah. but it's not just us. But like yes. cultural awareness and cultural competence training also should be required courses. Yeah, because if it's not, what are what are kids in there doing? Literally, and I, I don't know if you can attest to this, but I, attest to this. But I know a lot of people my age are just like, well, what am I doing with the with the math three that I learned <laughs> with the trigonometry? My child with the calculus, is
0: nine, and she be having this conversation with, with the me.
1: world history, like. <laughs>
0: It's a whole issue when your grown, successful parent can't have, is looking at your homework like, baby, Google it. Like, right. I don't even use this. Mm. I don't know what this is. I and don't why know how here. many apples little Tommy has.
1: I don't know. I can't tell you.
0: Exactly. And so there is change needed there. Where else do you think is, okay, in the homes, in the schools, where else do you think change is needed for the ultimate goal?
1: In the workplace and in our political spaces Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, it's it's something that has to be interjected in every area and... People can get tired of it. People can say, oh, we've we've been beating this race thing like a dead horse. Evidently not. All the exactly. names that you just named. Exactly. Evidently not because it's still an issue. Exactly. We still can't get a lynching bill passed. And mm-hmm. there's been over 200 over the whole time we've been here, the whole time we've been able to say something yeah. out loud about why we shouldn't be violated. Like, So it has to be incorporated in all different kinds of ways. But like I said, if, if it can especially start in younger grades because- that's the time kids are most um, susceptible to learning. Yeah. They are sponges and they go home and share things. Especially, And I think about it like this. There's a lot of ESOL students, um, mm-hmm. Spanish-speaking students, or even students for whoever English is a second yeah. language. They're the only English speakers in their house, but they come home and, and teach, teach their parents. Oh, yeah. So if we can entrust babies, not even that we entrust them, but if babies have the capability to go home and, and pull their parents out of something else and teach them something new, what do you think they could do Mm. with racial sensitivity training? Because babies are at their purest. They don't see what we see unless they're taught that. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't see differences. They don't see difference to be a negative thing. They don't see difference to make you lesser than or anything unless they're taught that. Absolutely. So um, that's where a lot of it stems from. That's where a lot of it begins. But at this moment where we're at, it has to be tackled from all angles because we can't, Black people today in 2021 aren't waiting for the kids in kindergarten right now to get older, for things to get better. We're not.
0: Absolutely not. So what do you think? I know your goal is um, you're already in the entertainment industry, but I know Mm -hmm. your goal is to really um, get in there in other avenues. What do you think the responsibility of the entertainment industry is to um, to the goal? Because I think that a lot of um, what we put out is a a contradiction to the goal. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think creators have to continue or start telling responsible representative stories. Mm -hmm. And when I say responsible, I mean... There's a lot of different ways you can portray blackness. Yeah. But we don't always need to see trauma because that desensitizes us. Mm-hmm. And if it desensitizes, if it desensitizes us, who yeah, else is it? Desensi- yeah. Right. Right. Also, what images are we perpetuating? Mm-hmm. How are we telling stories surrounding different types of people? Yeah. Because there's nothing wrong with showing truth, but also providing enough context So that people don't see thugs as thugs because thugs comes with a connotation of negativity. Mm -hmm. But a person who might be considered a thug has so many things going on in their surroundings, so so many things that inform their development Mm -hmm. that we need to discuss that are a part of the problem. So, yeah, providing that context for people to see and to give them language for which to understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because my response with Adam Toledo is the same response. That I had with Makai Bryant. Why do they have weapons? Yeah. Not that kid had a weapon and they deserve it. Why does why? that kid need a weapon?
0: And we, Exactly. We
1: don't know why Adam Toledo had that weapon. Apparently, I've seen people say that he had a street rep, whatever. Why did that 13-year-old kid, how did he get into a position where he had a street rep? Yeah. If he did. Yeah. Mekhi Bryant, she was calling the police for help to protect herself. So she had a knife. Yes. Not this child who looks like an adult has a knife and could hurt somebody. Because we've seen multiple videos, not posted some myself, Come on where police themselves Have. are injured, yeah. are assaulted, and use a stun gun, which and is use what a stun gun. I've seen, I've seen one video in particular where a cop pulled out his gun, chasing someone who stabbed him, then put it back and pulled out his taser. Yes. So you do have a thought process.
0: It is you can think and pursuit,
1: but you choose not to think when it comes to us because your mind is already made up. Yep.
0: And and the reality is, is you know, you hear a lot of this um where they're trained to do this, they're trained to kill, they're not trained to shoot in the leg. Let's be clear. They are trained to kill black and brown. Mm-hmm. Like, stop that. Mm-hmm. You have to stop that. Because I mean, we have the video footage of white people being chased, being Ki- about to kill someone being a danger and have killed multiple have killed, people yes and still yes, make it not to the to, station you know and and go go get burger king mm-hmm. <laughs> and we still we see that so let's stop you and, and i'm hearing it most from black folk mm-hmm. that are like you know that's my circle so we're talking and they're like well i don't know i mean she did have a knife he not Mm-mm. really trained yeah he is Mm-mm. he has a decision. It's a decision to make. He does not, did not have to shoot that girl. And, and we need to see it that way. Right, right. And because if you don't, you need to question why your head, in your head, you need to question yourself. You need to look within and figure out why you think that's okay.
1: Right, right. And even if the case is that they're not trained to injure, they're trained to kill. That is an issue.
0: Yeah. That
1: is an issue because criminals do not have to die. They exactly. don't have to die. There are plenty of scenarios in which criminals should die. Yeah, there are, <clears throat> Don't get me started about Come this, on, so. we got time. <laughs> but there are so many in, in, instances, especially when it has to do with terrorism. If a person has hostages and they come out of a building... Sniper on the roof, mm-hmm. they're done. We've seen it. It's been shown in multiple movies. Yes. Like that's the thing that happens. But when these mass shooters come out of grocery schools. stores, schools, massage par- massage parlors, churches, they just get all right. Let's get you in these handcuffs. Yep.
0: What? Yep. What? And and it's it's insane because what is really terrorism? What is does every does everyone fit? You know like what is a terrorist?
1: Right, right. It's How someone are we someone who this? brings someone who disrupts the peace. You know, someone who 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 disrupts things on American soil yeah. who causes death, who harms things and we we've, we've seen so many acts of domestic terrorism
0: and it's just not it's not they're not even labeled terrorists.
1: They're not. They're not they're only labeled
0: terrorists
1: when they attack a government building. So you are telling me that property, that cement has more value than human life. Mm -hmm. Because American civilians are dying every day at the hands of domestic terrorism, but you only feel enough gusto enough to call these people terrorists when they are sliding down the side of a Capitol building.
0: And the fact that it even got that far, is a whole other conversation. You know, (laughs) come on, girl, please don't. We on daytime, we on daytime. But I feel you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel you completely. It is a bunch of BS. Yeah. what it is and you know we um we have a, so much work to do and I feel like you're going in that direction girl you're Thank going you. in the direction of making change Um, and you mentioned while we were off air um, going into maybe acting and mm-hmm. stuff like that so is that something we can look forward to you know Come I'm on, hoping spill some tea. Spill some tea. I'm hoping you know I
1: just fortunately I just got representation with a management company that works awesome. with multi hyphenate artists I can't say too much about it because mm-hmm. it just started but the meetings were amazing, and so that's things we're looking into. I have, I have had some things, some conversations with some streaming services. You nice. know, I'm working on my own content, like I said, and um, I think the best way for me to show people my ability to transfer what I do or what I can do on screen is for me to just put out some more of my own concept mm-hmm. visuals, show them the type of the type of talent that I can be, the type of artist that I can yeah. be, because I think what I have to offer is extremely unique yeah. and I have to show people the lane before they wanna hop on it. Come on. You know? Now. So but I think I have the ability to do that. I have yeah. a um pretty, pretty dedicated following and it's growing every day. And yeah, I'm just trying to introduce them to my my content little by little because it's it's so unique that you gotta kind of have that that dedicated follower yeah. base to make it a thing. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to do that.
0: I'm so happy for you. That's exciting. Um, all right. So anything coming up that we can get involved in? I know we got Friday tomorrow. So we, we got excited Friday about tomorrow. That.
1: <laughs> we have Friday tomorrow and we'll see, you know, things happen on a Thursday night and I've changed my whole script up. But really, uh, right, right. I try my best to keep it as up to date as possible. But yeah, tap in tomorrow. I always post before 2 p.m. Yeah, On my Instagram, <laughs> on my Instagram at underscore L-Y-N-E-E-Z-Y. That's Lenezy. So you can find me there every Friday. Follow because merch is coming. My one-year yes. anniversary for parking lot pimping is coming as well. Oh, I'll be oh, having nice. an event in Atlanta Ooh, for excited. a meet and greet type situation.
0: Mm. Oh! We want to cover
1: this. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Definitely going to have a meet and greet situation there. And also, like I said, I'm having a limited series show slash podcast that will be uh, launching in May.
0: I love it. So make sure you follow. And... Keep up. All right, y'all. Y'all better keep up because it's real and she on the move. She is Indeed. on the move. All right. Well, Lenae, you have been amazing. Thank you, thank so much you so for much me. for being a part of this, for the candid conversation. I just knew it would be this awesome. Mm. If you got anything else coming, you are always welcome thank to Afternoon so Tea Radio and Podcast. So come on. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. Make sure you're tuned in next week to Afternoon Tea Radio with your girl Maria Jordan and also Caris Jordan. He will be back next week. Stay blessed.
1: Thank you for listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your boy, Karis Jordan.
0: And your favorite host, Maria Jordan. And make sure you tune in every Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.